Welcome to episode nine of Trev Talks, the podcast. And I think if, if the last episode eight was the coffee, um, tonight I think I've got the cream. There should have been three, but there's only two. So welcome Dagenham and Redbridge manager Ben Strevens and Southland United assistant manager Darren Curry. How are we, boys? Good evening, Trev. Hi, right, Trev. You're all right, mate. I'm all good. Yeah, good. Uh, so we should have been three. We should have had Cray Wanderers, Neil Smith with us and it's taken us how long guys to get together again as a four it's been a long while I think hasn't it since we managed to put one together and uh, Smudge has blown us out this evening even though uh, he was very much up for it only just a week ago so they say well, a week's a long time in football but it's a long time in podcasting as well but there we go we obviously ain't, obviously aren't going to miss him tonight because we've got plenty, plenty to chat about as always I think the last time when we got together um, Strev's you were the only one in a job at the time then. Daz and, and Smudge were both out of the game. Um, all three of you had games last night. Smudge's Cray lost 2-1, I think, at Canvey Island after being in front, but down to 10 men and um, lost in the end. Stress, how did you get on last night? Recording this on a Wednesday, so it's Tuesday night's midweek games. Uh, we won. No, we uh, we lost 3-1 <laughs> uh, to Bournemouth last night, mate. Yeah, we lost. Daz? We turned over Ebbsfleet at home 3 0. So it was a good night for us. So, con- contrasting results for, for both of you, obviously. And uh, Smudge would have been in stress, stress boat had he been here sailing along anyway. But there we go. Um, the three of you, which was as you've all um, been in the game, out the game, back in the game, there's so many different angles we can sort of like go from for the season, which is, which is what we're going to do. And the time out of the game, like you guys have, have had, you're all used to playing football. Um, you know, Smudge would have been the same. You've done it from a, a young age and having the time out is very, very rare for you guys as well. So, Daz, you were the, no, Smudge was actually the first one out of the game when he sat by Bromley, but obviously you can't ask him as he didn't want to turn up this evening. So, Daz, you were the second one out of the game when you left Barnet and you had quite, quite a spell out as well. And I know we've, we've sort of chatted in the past about like, you know, how how much um you you felt it wasn't going to be an issue you get back in at some point you know you believed in yourself and everything but having that time away did it give you a lot of time to reflect on what you've had before because you hadn't really had much of a break from playing and going going into coaching and management i think you always take them opportunities to reflect but the longer you're at the game you can you can almost over reflect and you start to you start to question yourself and what you've done you question the situation you was in you you question other people in jobs and I should be in a job and he shouldn't be and and all things run through your head and you you know it's the 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 sort of reflection side of it can happen or I I felt happened quite quickly and then it became a, a real frustration for for being out of the game it's it's all I know. It's all I really want to know, and it's and it's my love. So to spend, I think it was the best part of nine, ten months out of the game was was agony, if I'm being honest. And the what I the the reasons I came about being out of work. That's the biggest reflection I've had I probably wouldn't put myself and my family through that situation again through being stubborn through being so strong on my principles um 
then I, I probably just wouldn't allow myself to make that type of decision again because 10 months being out of football was was really painful to me. I can imagine. And Strebs, you were still, as as we said earlier at the time, you were still <coughs> a manager at Edgefleet and then, and then obviously there was a mutual parting of, of the ways there and how did you sort of look at it as well? Was it, again, you know, a bit of a time to reflect or was it, I might actually actually have the time to do these little bits and pieces that I never never could when I was playing or managing? I love how it's always it mutual, by the way. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, yeah, they, they sacked me. Um, I don't, look, at the time, I'm being honest, at the time I was... Um, I wasn't enjoying it and my role had really changed at Eastleigh. I'd gone from having a really good relationship with the chairman and doing stuff a certain way. And then they brought in um, a director of football and he, you know, he was quite hard to work with. So at the time I was a bit like, yeah, good. I, I don't want to do this anymore. And that probably, I felt that way for about a month and then I really regretted it. I wish I would have toughed it out and, and stuck to what I wanted to do and not go under into the circumstance I was in. And um Pretty quickly, mate. I'm being honest. I got really, really bored really quickly. Um, weren't easy being at home. It was tough in the home life. My missus started getting a bit stressed with me as well. Like, what are you going to do next? Didn't know where, what, what the future was going to hold. And then, um, yeah, luckily that a job come up at um Luton's academy um for an under 18s role. And um, because it was so close to my house, I wanted to go for it. And um, Paul Benson um was the head of coaching at the time. And um, I went into interview for it and he just spoke to me on the level and said, look, Strebs is staying internally, but if there's another job that comes up in the academy, would you like to go for it? And I was like, yeah, of course I would. So um, I ended up going and working in there, mate, and really loved it, working with young kids. And it was amazing, to be fair. 15 minutes from my house, give me a bit more time with my family. Um, and I was loving it, to be fair. And I, I do, I miss it a little bit. I'm, I'm really grateful for the role I'm in now, but I felt, I felt like it was a, a good role to be in as well. So um, the reflection ended pretty quickly for me, mate. I wanted to get back into it as soon as I could. Did either of you sort of think, uh, you know, I'm struggling to get back in here. Am I going to have to look for something away from football? I I did, mate. I thought I thought it was done. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought it was done. I was um, I was applying for for roles, mate, without being bad that were well beneath the the qualifications I had and stuff. And I wasn't even getting interviews. So I was thinking, Jesus Christ, like what's going on here? Um, yeah. So I, I was really thinking about what what's next and um, thinking that yeah, I would get back into it one day, but also thinking that I would like to obviously work and not be stuck at home and climbing the walls I was getting really really bored does no I'm I'm knackered without football I've got to be <laughs> honest uh, I, you know I, I I can't I've been the same since a kid and my, my brother will back me on this since I was since I was little it's been football and only football and I went and done a, a, a little bit of work for a mate of mine delivering a few bits and pieces and that and it it drove me insane like do you know what I mean it's it I I I joke about it but without football I, I'd be in trouble because I, I don't have passion for anything else like I do football so as much as I believe I'm confident and I trust how I work and I always believed that I would get back in that the, the each day that ticks by you you lose a crumb of doubt about your 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 chances and your ability and whether it's ever going to happen again. And then, you know, that opportunity presents itself again and that, and that team and that team at the minute, oh, sorry, at the time was, was Sheffield United's under 23s that got me back into work. They got a, an outpour of my love for the game because I was back where I wanted to be, which was on the grass. So 
I'd like to think they helped me and the lads I work with obviously benefited from someone that had been missing his football. Just going to bring in a little extra here because Darren's brother Lee is having a listen in with us tonight. So, Lee, what I was going to ask you was obviously with Darren being out of the game, you know, you go and watch him wherever he's been and follow him around and everything. With him being out of the game, did you see any change in him or did you just sort of see that same sort of driven, what's the word, um, aspiration to get back in at some point, wherever that may be? Yeah, it was it was tough. It was tough to watch him because, like you said, I followed him everywhere. So when he played as a manager, he um, yeah, he was just, like talking to him. You could hear in his voice he wanted to get straight back in. Didn't want about to be out of the game too long. And then he was just yeah, you could see the change in him. That, that when you would talk to him on a day to day basis, things would change, and he'd want to just his passion is football. Like he said, he just he can't be out of it. He's got no other skill sets, unfortunately. <laughs> but it was no. tough on a day-to-day basis. It was it was tough chatting to him because you could see him declining a little bit. And as soon as he got back in, you could see the smile was back on his face. Yeah, it's nice to see. I know from speaking to all of you, Smudge included as well, though, that having that little bit of time away from the football itself, though, you've all been able to do little bits with your family stuff. Like Smudge has obviously been going with his girls to the dive-in. Strevs, I know you were taking your boys to training, which you couldn't do a lot of the time because you're long days. I know, Daz, you spent time with your kids and probably under your wife's feet and everything. But um, that sort of time away, though, has actually been quite precious in a way to all three of you from that sort of um, perspective. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, being able to watch the boys on a, on a Saturday and Sunday and my little one, my, so my eldest was like in Luton, sort of pre-academy at the time. I got a chance to take him. He went on a tour and I had to take him there and stuff like that. I was really good. I went and done that with him. So got some experiences I probably wouldn't have had if I'd have still been in full-time work. But um, I think being honest, I don't know if it, what it was like for Daz and obviously for Smudge as well, but um, I do think it affects your home life as well when you're, you're not happy, when you ain't got that sort of why you're getting up in the morning with your purpose that you feel like you have as well. Um, I know it's stressful when we're in a job because I'm feeling it right now, if I'm being honest as well, and try not to take it home with me. But when you're not working and um, you're wondering if you're going to get another chance, like like Daz was saying before, that little bit of self-doubt if it's going to happen again and, you know, it's the purpose for what you're going to do, does affect home life as well. So it's um, it's a wicked job being involved in football. But yeah, even when you're in it, it has its stresses, but definitely when you're out of it, it certainly does as well. Does? No, listen, you, you're never going to, you're never going to complain about getting to spend time with your family, obviously, you know, being around your kids and, and your wife and that, but they get a very different version of you. You know, they they, they like the version they've got at the minute. You know, you, I, I go to work, there's a spring in my step. I, they, they know that I love football. And so you get these little pockets of time through the week and maybe on a Sunday, you know, like now, for example, the school holidays, obviously Lee's up with his wife and children come to the game last night, they get a better version of me because we're all a little bit excited from the result last night and we've had a bit of fun today. And, you know, it, it, there's no denying if I'm if I'm happy in my work, then like Strove says, you, it, it's easy to come home and everyone buzzes off of it because they also know that the following week you might be out of work or you come home and you haven't won a game and they get a very different version of you. So it was great. Listen, you're never going to complain about spending time with your kids and your, and your family, but 
I think they'd probably want me working as much as I want to work myself because they, they just get a better version of you. Absolutely. How did you sort of find the support network away from your family and close <coughs> friends and that? Because having kept in contact with all three of you when you've been out of work and that, it's kind of been, it's sort of been a little bit, your name's not in the frame and, it, and it's out there anywhere for people to see. It's that much harder for people to sort of get you back in as well. So was was there a lot of people, you know, words of encouragement, keep it going, you'll get back in or that? Or, or did you find it sort of a little bit isolated and solitary at times? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, look, I, I think I think you should probably fi find the people that you you really do know that that care and stuff like that. You know, I know that not not just because Daz is on here and that Daz was reaching out to me. There was other people as well. Um, even now, honestly, like because I'm under a little bit of pressure and everything going on at Dagenham and that, you just you don't think that people are caring and that. But I had a, a phone call from John Steele this week checking in on me, seeing if I was alright. I had a, a message this morning from Martin Allen, like just saying, "All right, Benji, I hope you're, everything's all right." You don't realise really that people are there caring for you. I I say that it shows out more the ones that do truthfully care. Um, and you probably realise that some of your, your people that you thought you was closer with that are not as um you know forthcoming in messages or checking in with you. But listen, we've all got our own stuff going on as well. I'm, I'm pretty real realizing that that it's not all about ourselves so people's got their own lives going on but um yeah i think you do realize that people are looking out for you when, when you are out of work yeah i li listen I, I i think it's i think it's a bit tough on the people in your circle as well because when you lose a job everyone's on the phone within the first two three weeks and they're checking on your dad's you're right but Strev's you're right listen don't worry you'll get back in don't worry don't worry but there's only so many times you can take that phone call and people around you going now you'll be all right you'll be all right. And, and you're sitting there going well I appreciate your words but it's been four months now do you know what I mean so and and I get I can respect the fact that it's probably difficult for a mate to ring up and say how are you, mate? You, you'll be all right. And because you've probably heard it a hundred times and you know it ain't that easy. So there's two sides to it. Listen, without without a doubt, you've got to check in on your mates. Like, you know, me and Shrebs have known each other a long time and I'll always have his back and look out for him. And and likewise, like he reaches out to me. So it's that you, you will always make that call. But... Um, without sounding like you don't appreciate it, you hear that same conversation with all your pals over and over, like, you'll be all right, you'll be all right. But even that starts to wear a bit thin. You lose a bit of doubt in that because as the months tick by, you go, it's nice to hear, but nothing's happening. Come on. Do you know what I mean? But we all do it and we have to do it because we all care for each other. So, uh, But there is that side of that. Once a doubt kicks in, it's really hard. Until you've got a job again, you've got the kit on, you're on the grass. That doubt weighs heavy on you. Absolutely, yeah. Did you feel as well, both of you, that if you turned up at a game as well, just to watch, scouting for somebody, or just, you know, you fancied having a watch of a game of football because that's the industry you're in at that, that whoever's standing in one of the dugouts over there is is looking around and going, Shit, as Darren Curry or as Ben Strevens in the stand, am I under a bit of pressure or something? You know, because you guys put had it in the same probably situation in you know the jobs you've been in as well. 
Yeah, yeah, I don't want to be that guy. I, I know other people do it, but I don't want to be. I, look, I've gone to games, even that has been on it. Now I was, I was doing helping, obviously, we're still doing a bit of scouting for South End last year. And I remember going to a Woking game and I sat behind the main goal over in with the crowd just because I didn't want to be seen like I was sitting behind the dugout or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it's just the nature of the business, isn't it? Some people don't care whatsoever and will go and sit there gladly and probably they're ones that end up in the forefront of the options for some jobs and stuff. I know my um and someone I really like, Jay, Jamie Collins, lost his job at Haven and a uh, certain person was sitting behind him for weeks waiting for him to lose his job and now he's the manager there. So uh, it's just the way football goes. But um, it's not probably saying Carl would do it and I don't think Daz is going to be that type of guy either. But you do have to keep your face in and around it, I suppose, when you're not in work. So Yeah, I think it's... I, I think it's... Like we all walk up the touchline at the start of a game and you have a little glance up into the stand and quickly scan around and you see who's there and, you know, invariably you're going you're to see people that are that are looking for work and out of football at the minute. So, listen, it is the nature of the job. I just think if if you're wearing a fluorescent yellow coat and you're behind the dugout going like that, hello, or you're, you're going for a cup of tea with the chairman at half-time, then you might be going a step too far. But... We all do it. If you're out of work, you've got to keep your eye in. You've got, to, you've got as much as you've got to keep your ear to the ground. You've got to keep tabs on players and systems, and and you just have to keep your eye in. But it, it goes without saying, everyone thinks that someone's after their job when you look round and the twenty seats behind you is full of managers out of work. That's and that's the nature of the job. Yeah, absolutely. And both of you both back in the national league now. And as you said, Strips, you've feeling a bit of pressure at the moment. And uh, Daz, you probably have pressure of a completely different kind sort of this season as as well, rather than uh, not not just so much on the pictures off it as well. But um, we'll, start, we'll start with you first, Strebs. Um You had that little run where things started to look like they were coming together, weren't they? Um, and you managed to make a couple of, of additions. And I know I haven't spoken to you. You said you played a lot better in games than what some of the results have suggested as well. Is it just a little bit of a confidence thing, do you think, at the moment? Um, I don't know. The last, I've got, got to be honest, against Woking at the weekend, it was a, wasn't a very good game of football. We managed to get a victory. And then last night, we didn't play at all well. So I, would, I can't put it down to confidence the last couple of games. <laughs> um, before that, we played really well away at Oldham, like really well. We should have won. We played really well at home to York, honestly, the best we played. And we lost 2-1. And them games I actually come away from and I, I was there gutted, obviously, that we didn't win the game. But I was like, well, we're on the right path because I see the way we was playing. We are playing with confidence, the way we was passing the ball. But um, it's just the nature of the league, mate. It's so so difficult. If you do get in a bad place, it's how you can quickly jump out of it. It's trying to stay calm in all the chaos, which is really difficult to do. Um, look, I knew it was going to be a tough season. I didn't think it was going to be as tough as it's, it's turning out to be. I'm not going to lie now. I knew it was going to be tough with the players that we were losing in the summer. But... Um, it's just tries to make you stronger. You've got to find ways to win games of football and, and try and be better. You know, normally I don't look at the players first. I'm looking at myself, how I can be better. Um, yeah, and that's and that's where I'm focusing right now. The only way the boys are going to improve if I improve to help them. So that's where I am at the moment. I think a little bit as well, if you look at sort of that bottom end of the table as well, if you can string two, three wins together, all of a sudden you can shoot from somewhere like 21st up to about 11th or 12th. It's that tight in the middle. Yeah, well, not just because Dad's on now. They've got themselves out of the relegation zone. They're going to fly up heading for the playoffs away. Then boys again showing how well they're doing. And um, not just because he's on here. Generally, the two teams I've been 
really, really impressed with this this season was Gateshead and Southend. I thought for both of them um, on the day were fantastic teams. Um, both played really good football, and then then boys are carrying it on. You know, um, the Gateshead managers end up going into the football league now. But um, the job that him, Kevin, Benno are doing at Southend is incredible, mate. The, what, what they're doing with the restrictions they've worked under this season as well. Yeah, and as as we said, that's the pressure's just been not so much in a kind of way that Streps has had with the results that aren't quite going as they were, but we won't go into it too much. But obviously, off the field has really hampered what you've been able to do in terms of putting a squad together. But the players themselves have been an absolute credit, haven't they? Can't really speak highly enough of them, Trev. To be honest, it's with everything that's gone on. I suppose in a way. The, the sort of the the positive and the plus that we kind of look at is a lot of the time when you're recruiting, whether it be in the summer or obviously our windows open like pretty much all the time, isn't it? So when you're recruiting players, you're having to bed them in. There's a there's a period where they've got to learn how you want to play and what you ask of them as individuals and that. And where our message has been consistent now for two years. But of them two years, I would say we've we've had this group of players for 18 months. They kind of know everything that we're asking of them. They know what their own individual job is and they know what their mate beside them's job is. So there's a fluidity and a cohesion about us at the minute that has taken repetition and habit over 18 plus months to get them to where they are at this moment. And there's been some bumps along the road it, on the pitch. I mean, there's been some huge hurdles off the pitch, as everyone knows. But on the pitch, I think the one thing that I'm proudest to be part of uh, alongside Kevin, which I think Kevin's been absolutely top class through this, is remaining consistent with how we work. And whether that be how you schedule a week, how you schedule daily, how you speak to players, the, the message that you ask in, in games, the, the consistency. But I would always say, how can you ask players to be consistent if you're not being consistent yourself? So we have been consistent as a staff that has led to the consistency that we're now seeing at this moment. And there'll be other bumps along the road. We all know that that's football. But we're finding a level of consistency that... They all know what their mates doing, and and that's led to this this free flowing sort of way about us at the minute. Um, and then you put on top of that an incredible fan base that have that have just been. I mean, it's it's hard to put into words because they're they. I mean, for Kevin Benno, they've been Southend players, so they've got big history. But I've been there. Like Saturday was our two year anniversary, so I've been there two years. But some of these people have been fans of the club for 40, 50 years. And I read and I hear and I see how difficult they've found the last three, four years. But their support has just been, I can't speak highly enough of it. You know, we take we take thousands away from home. We got Borenwood at the weekend. We got another thousand following us on Saturday and they get right behind the team. And... There's a relationship at the minute that we've got between staff, players and, and the fans that is pretty unbreakable, to be honest. And it's taken time to build that. 
and 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 as we know, and Strebs knows this, the one thing we all want in football is time, but it's the hardest thing to get. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, we've come through some tricky periods, and we're on the brink of it going completely the other way. And I do honestly believe this club will take off. What you can do when you get a squad of 25 players? You're going to send some of the others off on holiday for a little break, or we might just have to train in little like groups of 10 (laughs) and 10 because, uh, well, it it will hamper mine and Benno uh, day because we have to join in at the minute because there ain't enough bodies. So I'll end up having to just stand on the side again. (laughs) Well, at least you'd be able to put them boots back in the cupboard, won't you, actually, and then concentrate (laughs) on actually helping manage the team. Um, I mean, I know we joke about it. But it's not been, hasn't, it hasn't been fantastic. But I think, seeing, I think the outpouring from non-league fans everywhere for Southend, for Scunthorpe, um, in the situations they've been in as well, and for both clubs to carry on functioning on the pitch as well, when you've got all that going on off of it, you know, it just shows the how much strength there is in non-league as well. Some fans, fans are fans. At the end of the day, they love their club and. You know, we all go on social media and I, I follow various different clubs and teams. And at the minute you got, and I won't name names or clubs or whatever, but you've got fans on there that are pouring out their art because their team's having a difficult time, but I just want them to do well. And then you've got the ones on, on social media that they've got the bragging rights at the minute because their team's flying and what have you. And it's hard. And what you've got to do for me is not, when you're on the inside, like myself and Strebs, don't take it personally. These people just love their club. They just want their team and their club to do well. And I think if you can, if you can overcome the criticism that will come to all of us, it happens. And just accept that they're passionate people about their teams and they just want to see them do well. And as a bare minimum, want to see them give everything for the shirt, then if you can accept that once in a while, there's going to be that criticism on the way. You know, you you can live with it because you've got to understand how they're seeing their club. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I certainly do. Right, so two last things to to come on to. Um, first thing I want to talk about is budgets. Um, it's the biggest, yeah, <laughs> not in terms of the size of insurers, no, but. In in terms of if you if you obviously look across social media, every club thinks their budget is like smaller than everyone else's, and everyone else thinks their budget so so and so's budget is bigger than someone else's. And um, obviously, you guys as a manager and assistant manager, you, you've dealt with budgets and stuff like that. And one thing I've always never understood, and I don't know if it's something I need to direct at like a club chairman, and that is why the actual budgets themselves like never in open view. Um, I couldn't give a monkey's what each player's being paid or whatever. But if you take the NFL, for example, everyone knows what everyone's salary cap is. It's set. It is what it is. Everyone knows what they've got to spend. What they spend on players is whatever it is. But um, I I sort of feel there'd just be more transparency around um, who just kind of like who's got what what to spend. We know someone like Oxford City are not going to have a budget the same size as Chesterfield. Um, but would that then increase the pressure even more because, say, you know, Paul Cook at, at Chesterfield has got a massive budget. He's then under more pressure to succeed rather than, say, Ross Jenkins out. Oxford City's got a smaller budget. 
just kind of interested in sort of the opinions. Because I mean, when you go to company's house at the end of the season and the accounts go in, you can see what's been spent on wages anyway. But it's obviously well in the past. But I just wonder from your point of view, what do you think? Uh, I don't know, mate, really. I, I think probably for each club, it would be you know what they would want to do. I think the majority of people would want to keep it quiet, wouldn't they? They'd want to not want everyone to know everything about the team. Like you said, it might either add pressure um, for the manager or it might add pressure on the owners, you know, if they're not putting in as much money as people perceive that they should be. But um, I just I just know from being at Dagenham, you know, that the, 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 the support that, the American owners and, and Tomo, who's been there years and years and years, you know, Tomo loves the football club dearly. Um, but the American owners, what that you know, that one's from Memphis, I think the other one's something like Minnesota, this, that, and the other one, and they're they're investing in Dagenham and Redbridge and the money they poured in the last five years, like you know, if if it doesn't they don't keep doing it to the extent that they have been, then that's up to them you know they've, they've spent a lot of money um, and done a lot of good things for the football club but I think everyone's got to be each to their own um, and it's always that talk you know about money and stuff like that but um, me and me and Daz both know because we've been parts of things I know certainly at Dagenham when I, we got promoted out in the National League we, we certainly wouldn't have had one of the biggest budgets and I know for, for a fact when he was playing for Dagenham in League 2 when they went up to League 1 they were probably one of the lowest in that, that year so it doesn't mean anything, but I suppose people do like to know as well. I think fans like to know, but um, I think clubs would definitely want to kind of try and keep it to themselves. Does? Yeah, I mean, Strebs is spot on. I think there's there's almost a sort of projected kind of budget league, if you like, that in, in every league where they go, well, they'll be up the top because they got a big budget and they'll be sort of middle of the road because they've only got so yeah. much. And, you know, so... And then people tend to use that as a guide as to, oh, well, they're doing better than what everyone thought because at the end of the day, like, we've all got players that are on, you know, small money, if you like, in the football world, like small money, and, and they're doing brilliant. And then you've got the ones that maybe are on four figures and perceived to be on the bigger money that are, you, you, you want more out of them. So it can give you a... A, a little bit of a, a guide as to what you might expect from a player, but no one runs around the pitch talking about wages and budgets and what have you. At the end of the day, you, you, when you're out there, you're just trying to be the best you can be. And it, whether you're on two hundred quid or eight grand a week, it it it, it 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 don't matter to the player. I know it's important to the or people look at it in the public eye and go, well, I expect so much from him because he's on good money. But it don't work like that. And we know that. And I, the fans know that as well. Don't get me wrong. They, they know that. But the, I, I suppose expectation grows around budgets and salaries. That's and, and I don't see that ever changing. You look at all the £100 million players in the, in the Premier League now. Everyone expects them to never have a bad game because mm. they cost £100 million. As soon yeah. as they give the ball away, well, yeah, worth £100 million. Well, he's going to give the ball away. That's the game. Do you know what I mean? But the expectation yeah. grows. That's all it is. Yeah. I mean, mine was more like, you know, there's your budget. Um, no one knows what the players have played because all, all that's there is that figure that the club set. And that's all anyone will ever see. What you pay whoever is entirely up to you within that budget because that's your framework. That's what you're... But, it, but Trev, it might be relevant to your crowd size. 
You know what I mean? Certainly, be, yeah. when you yeah. get that, certainly yeah. when you get to national league level, yeah. You know, you look at like us for example. You people would expect our budget to be so much because we get six, six yeah. seven yeah, thousand oh, for home yeah. games. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. going to be different to other clubs that maybe get a thousand fans or whatever. You know, so yeah. But the bigger the the bigger your your fan base, you might have more expenditure. So it it balances off, doesn't it? Yeah, it probably does. It's just something it's always intrigued me as because of what I do with writing and everything like that. And you know, and but again, same as you guys, I know. Like you say, you pay someone two hundred quid that could be doing better than someone you're paying eight grand to on the pitch. It's one of those things in it, and that is that is football. But it's just something that comes up all the time in various groups, different people I talk to, and it works for some sports, it doesn't work for others, and you know that's that's why theirs works that way, and ours works this way. But I'm just interested to get other people's viewpoints, especially people that work with it. That you know, um, I mean, the common bit that comes out with that is, you know, well, if your company released how much you were earning and that sort of thing. You know, would you want that? No, of course you wouldn't. And like I say, what what the players are paid um, stays as it is, as private as it goes. The player wants to release that's up to them. It's just what that club is, you know, got that budget for that season. You go, well, why is he not doing well with that then? And that sort of thing. But like I say, whether that would increase the pressure on you guys rather than more than, you know, actually helping people understand that Crikey's doing a great job with like, you know, half the budget of Tom down the road. But you know, I just thought, like, you know, I just thought as you guys have, you know, dealt with it. But... Do you know what, Trev? I think what you might find as well is you might find teams that come February, yeah, if they're in the top eight, yeah, and they might have maxed out their budget, but yeah. they're in the top eight and there's like 15 games to go. Yeah. And a manager might go to a chairman and go, look, I know I'm maxed out, but we got a chance for player X at the minute and it's going to cost so much. Yeah. But I think he could be the one that just kicks us into where we need to be. What yeah. do you reckon? A, a chairman might find a way to do it and yeah. they might they might tip over the budget because they, could, they, they can see that opportunity as well. So budgets are, are normally just a guideline for me. If, if, if you're not doing as well as expected, then all of a sudden, you know, the wallet's closed. You, the, there's no, you can't get to the cash point. It's done. There's not another penny, and and that. So sometimes, depending on how well the season's going, can determine if there's a bit of movement in the budget. Yeah, brilliant. Right. So lastly, we're going three up, three down. Um, there's been a little <coughs> bit, bit of talk over over Twitter again today from Adam Summerton, and every time he raises it, um, he gets shouted down normally by people that are supporting League Two clubs, which is, I suppose, in a way, not surprising. Um, both of you obviously have been relegated with Barnett back in 2001, wasn't it? We went down, I think, as well. All right, so you... Trev. Don't go there, Trev. All right. <laughs> so you guys... I, I was also... on the bench, mate. It weren't my fault. Dave played that day. I was on the bench. <laughs> well, that was why, because you were on the bench. That was why. You know, Daz had no one to put the ball into. Um... Listen, if I'd have been on the pitch, we'd have definitely been down. We'd have been massive. Be aged, Trev. Be aged. <laughs> um, so you guys have, you know, and at that point then it was one up, wasn't it? One up, was it one up or two up then? Yeah, one, I think. I think it was just one, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, I don't think the yeah. playoffs were, were in, were they? No, not quite. So um, when you look at the clubs that come down, you know, for example, Daz South End have rebuilt with the fan base compared to 
how it was when they got relegated. There's still, as you said, there's still a way to go, which hopefully is in the next couple of weeks is going to push it right back in the right direction. When you look at some of the clubs, like you look at Carlisle back in 2003, they went back up the following year. Bristol Rovers went back up as well straight after. Not everyone's been that lucky to be able to do that. But when clubs have come down, they've generally managed to rebuild themselves and go back up in a stronger position. So what is it that's holding back the free up, free down? Is it just that perception that if my club gets relegated as a League Two chairman, I'm not going to get back up again, but actually you're increasing the chance? I, don't know. I, think, it's, I think it's money, isn't it? I'd, I'd imagine that the... Every, the money you get for being in League Two is a much, much bigger amount than it is in, in there is the a national. Bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd say that plays into it, and I just think if um, there's got to be something for these teams to be able to give that up. If you're in League Two now and you're a chairman, you're always one of the ones down. I'm not just saying it. Just think of Barnet. How many years were Barnet down the bottom of League Two before they actually went? You know. Yeah, quite a while. Um, quite a while. Yeah, it's it's that it's that isn't it? It's convincing them chairman, and I suppose it's not. It's, it's sort of all of the, the football league, isn't it, to give that place across? Um, I think the pressure's mounting. I think because of the quality of the national leagues going up, and um, last year probably with all the thing that followed Wrexham, at least the one thing I think that come out of that, it did shine a bit more of a spotlight onto the national league. I didn't um, probably like most of the people in the national league get caught up with always this fairy tale story of Wrexham getting promoted. Like, but at least it shined a, a nice bit of light on the national league that there was. A competitive title race, Notts County were fantastic last year as well. Um, and it really brought a spotlight onto it. So now people are talking about it even more. And I think, look, I think it's a matter of time, by the way, everyone's talking that it's going to happen. And um, that's going to be brilliant for the football fans because there is, like you're saying, a lot have gone up. But how many ex football league clubs we got in the National League now? It's quite a few now, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. The num- a couple of the numbers are, as well. Yeah. The numbers are growing. And like you're saying, <coughs> Talking about Scunthorpe now being in National North and things like that, it's just it's, it's crazy how quickly clubs can slip. So, um, for all the ones that go up and do great, there are ones that obviously struggle to get back out of the National League, mate, because it's such a competitive league. Does? Mm. Yeah, I think that I think the gap's closing, or 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 extremely close at the minute. I don't think there's you know Notts County and, and Wrexham are probably flying the flag a little bit for the National League from last year because they're, they're, they're both going so well in League 2 so I think the, the quality between the two levels is there's probably nothing in it in all fairness um, the majority of the teams in the National League are full time um, and I think what what possibly happens is and I don't know the stats on this but how many teams come down and bounce straight back up I wouldn't two. say two Carl right. and Bristol Rovers, the only two that bounce straight back the year after. And then how many teams go up and then come straight back down? That's a, that's a small number. That's what yeah, I mean. Right. So, yeah. so <clears throat> that's evidence that the, the gap is close. Um, I think some fans would say that dropping down into the National League is an opportunity to see different grounds and maybe reset as a club and realise it maybe opens their eyes to one or two issues that they've maybe not, they've overlooked when they've been in League Two. But now we've dropped down here, we kind of realise what we had and now it's the, the fight to get back there. Um, you get the parachute money for a couple of years. 
So everyone puts their eggs into them two years and that basket of, right, we've got two years, let's throw money at it. And But that's been proven to not be the, the answer either. So I think it's, I think it's an opportunity, and I, and I, uh, obviously South End at the minute. You know we've they'd had, they'd had a couple of tough years in League One and League Two where there was a real disconnect between everyone and the gates were. I think, don't quote me on this, but probably I think the gate was about three thousand two hundred ish. Um, but we've dropped down the level to, to the National League and we're in the process of sort of climbing back and build, rebuilding and we're getting double them figures and, and there's a real sort of togetherness to, to to go on that right path to get back to the league. Now, will that still be there in 10 years if we're still in the National League? Who knows? But, you know, I think people have, have got to have a strategy that it ain't going to be that easy to drop down and bounce back up because it, it ain't it just ain't right. that easy because the two levels are so close. So don't think you're going to finish twenty fourth in League Two and then you're going to walk through the National League because it don't it, it ain't going to happen. No, and and you hear a lot of teams and players when they come down and go like you lot a good side and and they're a good team and they're a good... so there's this perception as well that National League. Is maybe not as good as League Two, but I'm I'm telling you my experience it is. Um, so that gap's closing. It's the, the the whole relationship with fans resetting with their club. Um, so I think it's gonna it very soon. It's gonna get to a point where it's gonna have to be three up, three down because the knock on effect, like Strev said, with with Scunthorpe. You got Torquay yeah, over yeah, and dropped yeah. into into the conference. Up, yeah. big clubs are dropping down a bit. You know, so and as we said, that's just before we come on air as well. The attendance at South End last night at six thousand three hundred thirty nine was bigger than ten of the twenty four matches across League One and Two. So it's not about the size of the club. Like we said, the fan base rebuilds itself as well because you've got a club that suddenly starts to win games because they've dropped down that little bit and the expectation isn't maybe quite as a high, there's not so much pressure in that league as well. But it gives you that, like you say, that chance to reset. And the clubs that have gone back up, I think Carlisle bounced twice. I know Bristol Rovers did when they followed Barnet up in 2015 as well. So again, it gives you that bounce to start again and keep, you know, um, bouncing again. But when you look as well at the top end of League Two, four go up. But yeah, only two drop out the bottom end of the National League. So it's unbalanced, you know, as, as the, it the, is. The, the people you have to convince are, are the ones in League Two. They're, they're going to yeah. be the ones that it's going to be hardest to convince. Like everyone in the National League, and I don't know this, but I'd be surprised if if anyone in the National League didn't agree with three up. Do you know what I mean? Because it's yeah. just another opportunity to, to be one of the three. So... Yeah, it, it's more League Two that you have to convince because they're losing their status in the Football League. Absolutely. It's convincing them as well that that drop down gives you that chance to rehab a look at yourself, reevaluate, go again, but hopefully not go the Scunthorpe, Yeovil and Torquay way, but start going the other way instead. And it takes a little bit of time still, though, doesn't it, for clubs to adapt? I mean, both Hartlepool and Rochdale had a reasonably good start this year, and I think both have suddenly found that, you know, clubs will, clubs will learn how to play them. 
How long has how long's Barnet been now as well, Trev? What's it been now since Barnet uh, come down? We went down 20, 
looking at the, the fixture list, can that be evened out a little bit better? And can we have more on the bench? I think on that point with the substitutes, it was put at the AGM in the summer and clubs voted, some clubs voted against it um, because I think about six weeks into the season, Dean came out in the National League, paper, non-league paper, sorry, and said exactly the same thing. With all this extra time, you know, we're playing possibly an extra half a week if we're playing Saturday, Tuesday, on top of the two lots of 90 minutes you're playing with the extra time added on. So why are we not having seven subs? So, I, you know, on, on that point, like you say, I can't see why, with the majority of the clubs being full-time, that you can't go seven on the bench. And if you can't name seven, you can't name seven. Like like with yourselves, Daz, you've, only, you've been lucky if you've named three or four out of five this year because of your embargo situation. But you can't fill the seven, you can't fill the seven. But the opportunity's there. You can put seven players on the bench, you know, especially with that. Added time. One thing well, I was well, look, from... at the minute we we haven't filled the allocation of the bench once no. this season. Yeah, you know, even recently in the FA Cup, we had we had two youth team players on the bench. Yeah. Um but but for the team, I, I, I can't get me head around teams that wouldn't agree to it because okay, they might be working on a smaller squad, but yeah. if you're saying seven, but you haven't got the biggest squad, you two youth team players, give them Absolutely. the experience. Yeah. So yeah. even if you've got your five seniors or recognised first team, whatever you want to say, yeah. But have two youth team on, on the on to give them the experience. So yeah. it's it's a strange one for me. It should be it should run in line with with the football league. Yeah, I fully agree with that. One question. I didn't, uh, I, didn't, I didn't get involved in the tread, but it was there. Uh... At the AGM, they were saying that the vote was put to the uh, the owners of the football clubs rather than the managers. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why. So since yeah. since then, and I think everyone's had the same. Everyone's been sent an email asking um, the managers whether they would like seven subs as of next year. And I think look, does that mean it's going to happen? I don't know, but I like Daz has said there. I think if twenty four teams have been asked to vote that and it's been put to the managers, I'd I would say the majority are going to go. Yeah, to try and have more. Absolutely. The one question and I was going to put put to you two have you both noticed there's been more muscle injuries rather than more serious injuries this year that need that especially with your squad that's being small needing that more managing do you know what it's a, it's a, we've had this conversation with with our sports scientist and the physio and what have you and I'm not saying I'm right by saying this but you know when you you see the boys now, like, and and they're getting ready for the game, and they take their game, there's not an ounce of fat on them. Like they're yeah. all chiselled from yeah. head to toe, and I don't. I wonder if like they need to carry a little bit more fat, like <laughs> a, a couple of other handles, like used to have back in the day. You know, what I mean? <laughs> but I just wonder if they're so finely tuned now that it would that lead to muscle injuries because. I don't remember it, strengths. Do you? Back in the day, like, I mean, I didn't run fast enough to pull muscles. I, I, I <laughs> hold my hands up, but you know, it, I just don't remember so many muscle injuries when when we were playing. So I just wonder if they're they're just too body obsessed nowadays because everyone's like got the perfect body, isn't they? Probably, but I reckon so, mate. Well, I didn't. I definitely didn't have any muscles to pull either. I think I pulled my fire muscle once. That was it. I didn't, didn't pull any muscles. Didn't have any muscles. Well, I've showered with you. You ain't got a fire. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's mad, though. Honestly, this year, 
I've got Tom Eadsman that's never been injured, never, like when I signed him from Colchester. He's been out for 12 weeks with a hamstring and another one out for eight weeks with a hamstring. Another one with like a pulled up. Honestly, it's been been mental. I don't know. I don't, like like Daz is saying, they are, that is the truth. They are finely tuned athletes now all the way down to National League. And I reckon through a majority of the non-league as well, the boys are proper looking after themselves. Everyone is very... Mm. Um, doing more gym work than they probably ever have done. There's much more this prehab stuff, and everyone does seem to look after themselves really well. But is that leading to more muscular stuff? It could be. Could be. It could be. That could be. It does. Just get back to being fat and. Do, do you know? Do, do you know what those shows? And, and I'll put a serious spin on it. You know, like and Stilly, we've both played for Stilly, right? So training could go on for two, two and a half hours, couldn't it? You know, you do. You, <laughs> you, you, no, it could. So yeah. was your was your muscles like trained to do long periods of football and 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 now you know you get your second day recoveries and oh we had a game on Saturday so you know we better only do half hour today and, and listen I, I'm a modern coach so we're I'm all up to speed with it but is there something in it where we used to just train forever back in the day do you know what I mean? And and maybe your body was just more hardened to longer periods on the training pitch than than they are nowadays. Maybe maybe that's got something to do with it. Well, honestly, I was saying it. I was literally last week, Daz, saying about that. Just talking about when I was at Dagenham with Stilly, there weren't no second day recoveries. <laughs> Monday was exactly the same. Whether you started, didn't, weren't involved in a squad, whatever, you was doing a warm up strides. Um, Three teams possession, eight v eights. That was the Monday, regardless if you had a Tuesday game, yeah. regardless if you played 90 minutes on a Saturday. And we both know we're playing for Stilly as well. It's not like in any position in that 90 minutes you're chilling for 30 seconds. You was full on for 90 minutes when you played for John Steele. And then Monday was straight back on it. Let's get ready to go again. And then, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it is that. Maybe it, And it's a good thing, like you're saying, we're up to date with the sports science stuff, mate, and we're, we're receptive to all these new methods, but um, maybe a little bit more of the old school mentality is needed a little bit as well. Now, hopefully, the yeah. <laughs> hopefully the National League will have, a, will have a little listen and they get the seven subs in and sort the fixture congestion out and then everything will be uh, hunky-dory and everyone will be winning games with 16 players on the on the on the, well, I was going to say on the pitch then, be 11 on the pitch with five on the bench or seven on the bench, depends on what we can get to. But, gents, thank you both for coming on this evening. I really appreciate it. Um, if you've enjoyed listening to the pod, share it around. Um, they're all free to listen to. There's there's eight previous episodes for this with lots of different players, managers, and uh, lots of different things we've talked about. Um, and if you've enjoyed it as well, these two guys have a subscription to www.footballwriting.co.uk, as does Smudger as well. So, if you want to support my writing as well as the pods and that, and I can keep producing all this in my time, then please head along and grab one. So, Daz, Strebs, thank you very much for this evening. Really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it, Trev. Top man. Strebs, keep going, mate. Live by your principles. Listen, you'll be you'll be good as gold, mate. So Thanks, mate. No, it's good to see you, you go, both. Mate. Good to see your brother as well, mate. Love to the family, Daz, and good to see you as well, Trevor. See you both soon, yeah? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, brother, Daz, for uh, chipping in with his little bit. That was really appreciated. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having him as well.